Good afternoon. It's Friday, August 31st, 2018. I'm David Menzies and this is Ezra Levent's Battleground. Hey folks, great to have you with us. I'm David Menzies filling in for Ezra Levent and because Ezra does the work of so many others here, I can't do this show alone. That's why there's another special co-host filling in with me today, and that would be the one and only Sheila Gunn-Reed from Alberta. How you doing there, Sheila? Hey, David, this is going to be fun. It's going to be like the Donnie and Marie show, but for conservatives. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that brings up really bad memories of the two years I spent in Newfoundland in the mid-70s. All I had, it was two TV channels. It was um, CBC and CTV. And because I was a mainlander, which meant I, I was a complete loser and had no friends, on Friday night at 10 o'clock, my choice was on CTV, Donnie, the Donnie and Marie show, and on CBC, Tommy Hunter Country. Uh, wow, was I ever waiting for the internet to be invented. I almost bought a CB radio, actually, to break the <laughs> So, but uh, Sheila, great to see you again. And uh, now, I, so much uh, in the news to talk about. Um, I think first and foremost is this um, disgraceful uh, a court of appeal decision to, I think, not just put the kibosh on uh, the Trans Mountain uh, Kinder Morgan project, but maybe putting the kibosh on billions and billions of dollars of future investment, especially in the uh, mining and oil and gas sector in Canada. Sheila, you're much closer to this story than I am, of course, being in Alberta. Are people going crazy in the Wild Rose province right now? Short answer, yes. Um, you know, you and I were talking about this earlier. If this were the Quebec hydro industry that yeah. wasn't allowed to sell their hydro, or if this were uh, the Ontario auto sector or Saskatchewan agriculture, um, there would be rumblings about separation. Yeah. Um, and that's what we're hearing here. We're seeing more and more people, reasonable people who are looking at all of this and saying, what exactly is the point of confederation when we're being treated like the country's change purse? They've, you know, the equalization payments never change, no matter how many pipelines don't get built. Alberta still pays a lot into equalization and doesn't get a lot back. Um, and we don't have any help from the federal government to help us get our resources to Tidewater. David, it is crazy. It is absolutely crazy that, you know, we're the world's third largest oil resource yes. the third largest we can't get our oil to tidewater uh, this would absolutely never happen anywhere else in the world except in canada when we're letting these foreign funded radicals set the agenda and make these appeals to the appeal court that ultimately end up blocking our pipeline projects. But Sheila, foreign-funded radicals, that's one thing. That's one kettle of fish. Mm -hmm. But the Court of Appeal de decision here, I, I think this is judicial activism at yeah. its very worst. First of all, I absolutely don't buy their rationale for killing this project. Uh, first and foremost, not enough uh, consultation with Aboriginal groups. The facts of the matter show that there were nine months of discussions with Aboriginal groups. And by the way, some Aboriginal groups, as you well know, are pro-pipeline. I guess their opinion doesn't count. 
So is this what we're seeing here? Is this, are, are these, um, I guess, social justice warrior judges on the uh, Court of Appeal? Because I'll tell you, um, I, I think when you sit down with groups for nine months and listen to them, it, how is that not consultation? Well, and David, there were four rounds of consultation, uh, two initial rounds before the Liberals took over and another two after the fact. And the word is consultation. The word is not permission. We have a duty to consult. We don't have a duty to seek permission from everybody who wants to weigh in on this pipeline project, because that's what Confederation is about. We're seeing Canada balkanize, and uh, the feds aren't really doing anything about it. You know, I, I think you're onto something here, Sheila. It's almost as though the definition of consultation has been changed, which is to say that if a Native group says, here is our problem and this is why we want it stopped, and you say, I beg to differ, having a difference of opinion, in at least as far as I can interpret the judge's ruling, means that you didn't consult. In, in other words, because you didn't echo their um, their opinion, their point of view, therefore there was no consultation. And that's perverse. Well, and let's go back a little bit. The Northern Gateway Pipeline project was uh, squashed by the court. Uh, that approval was squ squashed by the court in 2016. The Trudeau Liberals never decided to appeal that decision. They basically let the pipeline die. Rachel Notley in Alberta here was happy also to let the pipeline die because she said there was not adequate consultation with First Nations groups. That's what the court said at the time. So in two years, the Liberals had to do something to make that consultation process adequate. They didn't really. Um, and, you know, it, uh, uh, Rachel Notley and Justin Trudeau, well, I don't know about Justin Trudeau, but Rachel Notley has come out and said that the Court of Appeals decision was wrong. So if it's wrong now, why was it right when it happened to Northern Gateway? It just seems like, you know, they're offloading this political hot potato onto the court when neither one of them, Justin Trudeau nor Rachel Notley, none of them really want to see this pipeline get built, but at least they can say that they weren't responsible for the voice of no. Yeah, they're, they're now uh, finding convenient um, uh, boogeymen to point the finger to. And, you know, the numbers are staggering. I mean, Sheila, in the last five quarters, I understand, foreign companies have withdrawn a net $8.2 billion from Canada's energy and mining sector. And that compares with the previous decade to, to those five quarters, uh, an investment of some $130 billion. But I think all this decision does, Sheila, is reinforce to the rest of the world that this is a lousy place to make an investment in when it comes to energy development. Yeah, we're seeing companies pull out of Alberta and they're going to... Uh far more safe places for investment like Iraq and Egypt, um, you know, that's pretty telling. And let's not forget we have uh, a pretty business-friendly administration right to the south of us. You know, let's take a look at the Dakota Access Pipeline project. Donald Trump literally signed a piece of paper and breathed life into that pipeline after ongoing protests protests that actually uh left um environmental disasters behind them um and it was just so easy because there was political will to get that done and companies international companies when they're looking at that when you're looking at canada and saying you know what 
the Dakotas have the exact same oil formation as Southern Saskatchewan, but why would we invest in Saskatchewan when we can actually get something done in the United States? Oh, I wouldn't put a dime into this country given the uh, the judicial environment right now uh, based on this. But I, I guess the big question is, where does it go from here, Sheila? It doesn't go anywhere. I mean, it's up to Justin Trudeau to appeal this decision to the Supreme Court. I haven't heard whether or not he's going to do that. That should have been the first thing out of his mouth yesterday. It wasn't. Um, and Rachel Notley is talking tough, but she's actually uh, doing absolutely nothing. And I think we have a clip that... Uh, Mr. Producer put together for us. Um, a, a, you know what? I just wanted to say Mr. Producer because I'm a huge Mark Levin fan and he always <laughs> says Mr. Producer. And I've been waiting my whole life to say that. But I think Mr. Producer has a series of clips put together from Rachel Nutley's press conference yesterday. And uh, one intrepid reporter actually did an accidental. Uh, uh, an accidental piece of journalism and asked her a really good question. And uh, I think you're going to be amazed with the response here. The current state of affairs in Canada right now is such that building a pipeline to Tidewater is practically impossible. As a result, our ability to transport our most profitable commodity is subject to the whims of the White House and the U.S. government. Yet as important as climate action is to our province's future, I've also always said that taking the next step and signing on to the federal climate plan can't happen without the Trans Mountain Pipeline. And so today I'm announcing that with the Trans Mountain halted and the work on it halted, until the federal government gets its act together, Alberta is pulling out of the federal climate plan. Is a fault is said to be withdrawing from the National Climate Plan. What does that look like? What would you actually be doing differently now than you were doing yesterday? Well, uh, you're quite right that the impact of our participation in the National Plan comes into effect when the price goes up to $40. So right now, uh, th there wouldn't be an immediate impact, but it comes down to uh, our government's uh, role in terms of promoting the plan overall and, and their ability to count on us to be part of it. What does this mean, Premier, to Alberta's carbon tax? Our carbon tax as it sits right now, the Alberta Climate Leadership Plan stays in place. That was a, uh, the Climate Leadership Plan was something we put in place uh, before the federal government was elected, before we got into the conversation about Kinder Morgan or the Trans Mountain. Uh, but uh, we've always been very clear that signing on to the Pan-Canadian Framework or the federal government's plan was conditional on the pipeline. Well, you know, it uh, sounds to me, uh, <laughs> what's that saying again, Sheila? A day late and a pound short uh, in terms of this issue. And it's funny, as uh, we were running that clip, I uh, got a, um, a response here from one of our viewers, Leonard Roth. Uh, and this is what he says, as the Republic of Western Canada, we would be one of the richest countries on the planet. Time for the rebel to get behind the separation movement. You know, it raises the point, Sheila, if you were to, I mean, this is a completely hypothetical situation, um, but again, in the early 90s, who could have foreseen that there was going to be a referendum in Quebec again uh, for separation in 1995? But if you were to put it to Western Canadians, um, how would you vote if 
it meant leaving Confederation that the handcuffs of all this uh, judicial and environmental and aboriginal activism is off of us and we can develop our oil sands and get our product to market. Do you think that would be enough of a carrot to actually uh, make the vote 50% plus one? You know what, I am, I'd like to think that I'm not a separatist. I'd like to think that I am you know, pro-Canadian, and I think that I am, but uh, there comes a time, and I think it's coming pretty soon, if it's not here yet, where normal people like me, who are very pro-Canadian, are looking around and saying, what in the heck am I doing here? If we became the 51st state, we could get pipelines built. There's no issue of any sort of cross-border nonsense. Um, it can happen um, with a stroke of a pen from the president's office. There's none of this... Um, finagling and uh, for there, there's no patience for foreign funded radicals and activist courts to put the kibosh on these nation building projects. And, you know, they truly are nation building. But if they're not getting done, then what's the point of staying within a nation? Now, you rushed me past that clip from uh, Notley because she says a heck of a lot of nothing in there. <laughs> the first part, she takes a sideways swipe at Donald Trump. And um, that's stupid because uh, I think Krista Freeland can attest to what happens when you take a sideways swipe at Donald Trump. Um, the Keystone XL pipeline right now is probably the only pipeline that's ever going to get built under both current governments here in Alberta and federally. And it doesn't do anybody any favors to say the White House is the problem. The White House is not the problem. The White House are our friends. The problem is, you know, these American activist group that are sort of interloping and funding Canadian activism on the ground. And then when Rachel Notley says that she's going to pull out of the uh, federal government's climate plan. A reporter then asked her, well, that, what does that mean? And it literally means absolutely nothing because <laughs> Alberta still has their carbon tax. It's going to go up when Rachel Notley says it's going to go up. And I really don't care whose face is on my carbon tax bill, whether it's Rachel Notley or Catherine McKenna's, I'm still paying a carbon tax. So all of this means nothing to me. I still have a carbon tax, but I have no pipeline. So what's the difference? Well, all we can hope for, Sheila, I think, is that for this to go to the Supreme Court, uh, again, you know, talk about time is money. We're talking months, if not years, to get some kind of, you know, final resolution on this. And by the way, since you mentioned the United States and Donald Trump, uh, great segue into our second pressing topic of the day, uh, especially with this being deadline Friday uh, and the U.S. and Canada coming to uh, a deal, maybe, hopefully, who knows. Um, now, let, let's be honest, this is a, you know, this is a phony deadline. This is a deadline imposed by, by Donald Trump. And there, it's not as though it can be extended or not. But I have to say, from what I'm reading and what I'm hearing, Sheila, I'm not optimistic that a deal is going to be done either today or in, in the weeks ahead. David, can I tell you why I'm not optimistic is because it's the Friday before a long weekend. So there's literally nobody in government working. Like, we're the only people working, David. Nobody in government works Friday before a long weekend. There's nobody there. So they're, not, you know, I, I think the writing is on the wall for the Canadians. We're playing catch up with the Mexicans, the Mexicans who were like the target of Donald Trump's ire 
since he was campaigning. So for two years, even before he became the president, his target was the Mexicans. And somehow the Canadian administration is so stupid, yeah. stupid, uh, that they turned his focus like a laser beam onto us. And I'm not hopeful. Uh, I wish um, things were more optimistic, especially for uh, Canada's auto sector. Um, but uh, I'm not sure that a deal that Canadians want is going to get done anytime soon. And, you know, Sheila, what was the deal a couple of days ago? I, I mean, what, what came to mind was that Blondie hit from the early 80s hanging on the telephone when Donald Trump tried to phone uh, Justin Trudeau and Trudeau wouldn't take Trump's call. I mean, uh, does, does our prime minister have a little um, delusion in terms of who's the dog and who's the tail here? First of all, I don't know that song because I'm not uh, 75. <laughs> it's a great song. But I'm sure it is, David. I'm sure it is. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's Justin Trudeau. He's the king of the personal day. What is he do What is he too busy doing? Was there like a mean hacky sack tournament out front that he was missing out on? Like, what is he doing that is more important than plucking the Canadian economy out of the fire? I mean... It, when you don't take calls from someone, it's either because you're scared, which, uh, you know, that's why I avoid phone calls from Ezra. And um, secondly, <laughs> I'm kidding, he's the best boss in the world. Or that you that you're you don't have anything to say. Like, wh what could Trudeau say to Donald Trump that could fix this mess? I don't know. And I'm kind of one, you know, and, and I think the prickly thing, too, uh, you know, the Americans are coming after. Um, supply management, um, Andrew Shear's uh, favorite little hobby horse, evidently. And um, I'm wondering if, you know, in closed door negotiations, this is the big sticking point and this is what we're going to, I don't know, potentially sacrifice uh, the Canadian economy uh, by way of, for example, the Ontario auto industry, which, by the way, Sheila, if you were just to shut that down for a few days, would mean monumental damage to the economy. What's your take on this lack of a deal getting done? Well, I think that it's probably contingent on uh, all those SJW nonsense things that they put into the negotiations, like uh, like uh, women's issues. Like, I, what gender is the car coming off the manufacturing line in Oshawa? Like, it's so stupid. But... Um, you know, I, a lot of this, I'm sure, hangs on supply management. And uh, it's Donald Trump will ultimately be the one who kills supply management in Canada, whether Trudeau or Andrew Scheer likes it or not. And Andrew Scheer burned up a heck of a lot of political capital by supporting supply management. He alienated half the party. And even people who support supply management were thoroughly annoyed with Andrew Scheer that the discussion wasn't even allowed to take place. I mean, and for less than 1% of the economy, we're putting about 20% of it in jeopardy. And that's just the auto sector. That's not, you know, any potential pipeline from Alberta that could be put on the shelf because we've annoyed the Americans. 
Well, you know, I'm just trying to think. There are indeed some chick cars out there, uh, the Mazda Miata, the Volkswagen New Beetle, but I don't think they're made in Canada, so maybe that's part of the issue. We have to get more feminine uh, automobiles into the Ontario <laughs> auto sector. David, you drive a feminine automobile. Oh, how dare David, you? you <laughs> no, you do. You drive one of those um, electronic emasculations of a car. Um, <laughs> that you plug into a wall like a blow dryer. You drive one of those. But, You're part of the problem, David. No, but my other car is a pickup truck, and I think I'm going to look for a bumper sticker that says that, and I'll put it on my, my Ford Fusion plug-in hybrid that you so uh, detest. But didn't detest <laughs> it that much that you didn't want to take a ride back to your hotel in uh, Toronto when you were by for Rebel Live, uh, you know, back in June. But anyways, we digress. I was drunk, David. I was drunk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy so um you know and by the way um sheila uh, again uh since i mentioned uh sheer um where do you think sheer is going to stand on all this uh nonsense going on um especially with the the pipeline issue and of course this uh, trade agreement that might not uh, come to fruition um especially since he in a way has painted himself into a corner because the only reason he is the Conservative Party leader, let's face it, and I mean, he wouldn't deny this, I don't think, given that he was drinking a carton of milk at his acceptance speech, is because of the dairy farmers lobby uh, putting him there because of his commitment to supply management. Do you think this was a, a big misstep for him? I absolutely think it was a big misstep. Now, uh, Andrew Shear's only options are this misplaced Trudeau support masquerading as uh, patriotism and, you know, support for the Canadian economy, when really the focus should be on how badly Trudeau has bungled this from the very beginning. When Donald Trump took office, he said he would absolutely be renegotiating NAFTA. Um, the, the federal conservatives should have been uh, preparing for what that meant for them as far as their positions. Um, and they've bungled this really, quite frankly, as badly as the Liberals have. Because really, right now, there's no difference between the two parties. But, and, and you know, I think you raise a good point here, Sheila, in terms of the bungling. Um, even before the Bernier mess of last week, mm -hmm. I would put to you that with Justin Trudeau's almost three years of embarrassments and bungling and diplomatic uh, faux pas that Andrew Scheer or anyone that was ahead, that was leading the Conservative Party should be ahead in the polls by at least 10 points, at least. And it, he wasn't. And this is, like I said, this is even before the Bernier uh, controversy. What I'm saying, Sheila, is that I am not very confident going into the federal election uh, a year next uh, October uh, with Mr. Shear, and part of that is um, he doesn't seem to stand for anything. And I bring it back to what happened to you and Ezra when you went to the uh, Conservative Party convention last weekend in Halifax. Just a week or so before that, uh, Mr. Shear made this impassioned speech about freedom of speech and how sometimes you know when you hear things that are offensive that you don't like well that's no reason to shut down free speech and he shut down you and ezra from covering this convention as members of the media whereas he had 
open arms for the likes of the CBC and all kinds of activist groups to pitch their tents inside the convention. What do you make of that since you were on the ground there in Halifax, Sheila? You know, that was funny because we got a bunch of different excuses from the Conservatives about why we couldn't come. At first, it was because Ezra sent some sort of email in 2017 that they were <laughs> rescinding our invite. Like it was some sort of news flash that we, you know, that we've been critical of the Conservatives in the past. But then they told uh, the Globe and Mail that they don't allow activist groups into the convention. Yeah. It's a conservative activist conference. <laughs> like, like, do the people from Campaign Life Coalition know that they don't allow activists in? Like, literally, everybody's an activist. And there are training sessions about how best to be an activist. So even if we are an activist group, which I think, uh, uh, depending on the day, I would concede that 0.50%. We're still journalists, but we do a little activism, too. Um, why Why is that a reason not to allow us in at an activist convention? But they allowed Bob Fifen, who takes voyeuristic photos of me, uh, exchanging pleasantries with a co-worker from across the street. I mean, that article that was in the Globe and Mail oh, that I said hi to <laughs> Hamish Marshall, it was several hundred words explaining that I'm a nice person. <laughs> and and that I don't hold a grudge, which I guess should be a lesson for Andrew Shear that um, maybe he shouldn't hold a grudge against me because he and I part ways on supply management. It was so weird. And if the conservatives thought that keeping us out of the convention would stop stupid articles like that, trying to link us officially with the conservatives, it didn't. It actually became everything Everybody was talking about, including us. The delegates came to us and said, like, I had people saying, uh, you know what, I, I don't agree with your stance on supply management, but I think you should be here. And that was overwhelming. I didn't get a single person come up to me and say, yeah, I'm sort of glad they gave you the boot here. Like, that didn't happen at all. And, and you know, Sheila, talk about not knowing your audience. I mean, as you know, and as uh, probably most of our viewers know, we uh, have surpassed the 1 million mark in terms of uh, YouTube uh, subscribers. And these are people, I would assume, most of them are being right of center, who don't like the Trudeau regime, are actually cheering for regime change want maybe a conservative government in power. And uh, uh, the way I see it is Sheer is just giving uh, all of our viewers the middle finger too. Yeah, um, that's exactly it. We have one million pairs of eyeballs, a lot of votes they want to court. Yeah. And when they exclude us, they're basically turning their backs on those votes. And if I were Andrew Shear right now, there's not a single conservative that I would want to alienate. Um, uh, clearly, that's not the case. So uh, what went down at the convention with that supply management vote and the leaked uh, dairy uh, cartel briefing uh, document, it's pretty clear that instead of uh, now that the Band-Aid's ripped off in the party, now that um, Bernier's gone, instead of saying, OK, let's have these discussions, let's solve these problems, let's make sure the Bernier people stay within the party, Sheer did the opposite. And... Uh, it, you know, he's he's just alienating supporters and voters all over the place. The thing is, conservatives, I generally think, are far more principled 
than uh, liberals in that we don't blindly follow our leader and we'll call out our leader when he's doing something wrong. And I think Scheer is taking that very basic trait of the average conservative for granted. And, and, you know, I I think you're onto something here too, Sheila, that um, I think the role of you and I and Ezra and everybody else at The Rebel, if we are free-minded individuals, and I think we all are, is to be kind of like that umpire behind home plate. We call him as we see him. Just like in the provincial election, I took some flack for coming out um, uh, criticizing uh, Doug Ford for throwing Tanya Granick Allen under the bus because Tanya Granick Allen is a reason why Doug Ford was the PC party leader in Ontario and then the premier. Without her and her supporters, uh, it would have been Christine Elliott. And I just can't stomach that kind of disloyalty. Now, that's not to say I'm condemning the, you know, Ford as the premier and as the regime, but on that issue, I had to take a stand. And as much as I would love to support the Conservative Party of Canada, I'm looking at this leader and, you know, what do they say in Alabama? This dog don't hunt. Do they say that in Alabama? (laughs) I've never been there. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody who once went to Alabama told me they say that. Is it Alabama or is it Arkansas? But you know what I'm saying, you know, Sheila? And and I mean, I, I, I gave you the example that we just talked about how he made this impassioned plea for free speech and then he, he bans the rebel. And I remember, Um, a few months earlier, he was talking about tying university funding to free speech issues, that if they have a clampdown on free speech. And then, lo and behold, along comes the Lindsay Shepard affair. And uh, Andrew Scheer, uh, I'm just paraphrasing here, so don't quote me on this, but he was basically saying, well, it's an internal university matter and, you know, they're going to work out something. Are you kidding me? You know, it was the internal university people that went after this woman in the first place. So I'm just not, you know, as, you know, Clara Peller used to say in the Wendy's ads, um, <laughs> uh, Sheila, where's the beef? You and your obscure <laughs> pop culture references, David, okay. honestly. If you got to know me, Sheila, you will find out that I am I a, know you, David. A, 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 <laughs> a vast reservoir of completely useless, trivial information. But I'm still going to spout it wherever I can. Um, so uh, moving on, um, what do you think? Uh, you know, sheer. Uh, I, I know Ezra has said that um, over the next year and a bit, uh, you know, our job maybe at the Rebel is to bring Sheer more over to being a true conservative, more right of center. Uh, is it possible that we have enough time to fix Humpty Dumpty, or are we already looking ahead for 2023? Maybe that's when things are going to change. You know, I was giving some thought to this yesterday, and I think we have a really good example of this in BC. Mm. Andrew Weaver, the Green Party leader, actually holds the balance of power because for the NDP to maintain their their uh, government, they need the support of Andrew Weaver of the Green Party. So if, uh, and, and basically he sets the agenda now for the entire NDP party because they need him to keep the coalition together. So, I mean, is that something that Bernier is looking to do? Uh, I mean, if you can't force the conservatives to the right from the inside, do you go outside and be a kingmaker 
and maybe hold the balance of power in a more minority government. I don't know if he has that kind of support yet, but the election is, you know, a year and a bit off. I just wonder, um, first of all, if Bernier will even have a candidate in every riding, A, and B, I, I wonder about the caliber of those those candidates, uh, and also, you know, Sheila. Typically, you know, in politics, uh, a, a startup um, protest party it, it typically goes nowhere. Uh, so, so that's my fear. Um, but you know, maybe you're right. I also think that. I think Bernier made a strategic error by resigning. Maybe he could have been more effective in acting change within the party. What do you think about that? Uh, that's, uh, I agree with Bernier's assessment of the party, especially after, ha especially after having gone to that convention. Yes. I do disagree with his conclusions. Yeah. I disagree with his resolutions to the problem. And I'll tell you why. Because in Alberta, we wandered in the wilderness as conservatives for 10 years. We uh, let the Redford Tories run rampant because we took our ball and we went over to the Wild Rose Party. Um, and because of that, then we had a vote split on the right, which allowed the NDP to come up the middle. And now I'm living through the tyranny of Rachel Notley. So I know the damage that a vote split can do. And I can I, I know the the way that it can create these incredible unlikelihoods that we never would have thought could happen here in Alberta. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm like you. I, I, I don't disagree with anything Bernier says about the party. I just wish that he had stayed in there, was grinding it out for change. And if Sheer had to get rid of him, then let Sheer be the bad guy. Yeah, I agree. And so far, unfortunately, Sheer is uh, being the bad guy. Now, I've enjoyed our uh, discussion so much with you, Sheila. Yeah. I had hardly any uh, chance to look at some of the viewers and what some of their uh, uh, chats have been. Um, are you getting the viewer chats on your side? I am, and that sort of means that you want me to read them because I've seen you. <laughs> the reason I'm here, David, is because I've seen you try to read these, and it is like, you know, I love my mother-in-law to death. But when I'm watching her try to scroll through her Facebook feed on her phone and she is squinting and squinting and she doesn't really, she's not reading anything. She wants to read stuff, but she can't see it. That's you. And I think for my sake and for the viewer's sake, I'm going to do that. Well, well, folks, I have to confess, I, I'm, uh, I'm a big enough man to admit this. Some people say, why is uh, Battleground not a daily anymore? Why is it a weekly? Uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, according to Mr. Producer, number one, number two, uh, when I co-hosted those four days in a row, um, I killed Battleground. I killed it. Yes. <laughs> Battleground fell in battle to me and uh, it became a weekly. And, and, and please, I'm trying to make the weekly a success. I don't want to be the guy known as killing the weekly battleground, too. So, so Sheila is right. So when it comes to the, the technical aspects, I'm going to let uh, the lady take over the show and read some of the uh, more uh, notable uh, messages. There you go, Sheila. Okay, so Patrick Max has a comment for me. He put it all in capitals, so I know that he means it. He would like for me to develop a tan. And uh, no, because I don't want to look like an old rawhide chew toy when I'm 45. I don't want to look like a pig's ear, <laughs> so I'm not going to get a tan. Sorry. <laughs> but you know what, Sheila? If you if you are going to get a tan, 
go all mm-hmm. in, become the next tan mom. Remember that? The, uh, she's now a, a whack packer on the Howard Stern Show. This is a woman, uh, if, if you're unfamiliar, folks, who tan mom is, Google the words tan mom. And basically, she has overdone tanning to an extent uh, that her face basically looks like a catcher's mitt now. Um, but this is her now her ticket to ride. This is her notoriety. So uh, please, Sheila, if you're going to tan your lovely uh, skin, uh, go go all in. Go go super dark. <laughs> uh, hey, we have a super chat. We oh, have great. a super chat. Yes. Uh, it's from Fraser McBurney. I love when the people use the real names and not those crazy internet names. Anyway, it says, fact with Chipmunk Sheer leading the conservatives, they have a snowball's chance in hell of winning the next election. Uh, I'm inclined to believe with you, Fraser. Uh, it's... Uh, He's not motivating anybody to race to the polls to support him now, is he? You know, when he says chipmunk sheer, uh, I, mean, I, really know. I wonder if that'll stick. And here's the thing, Sheila, you know, once a politician in power or one who's aspiring to power um, starts to acquire a, a negative or a comical nickname, in my books, it's over. For example, Paul Martin. Uh, he became known when he was prime minister as Mr. Dithers because he could never make a firm decision. I'll never forget, it was, around, it was in December, he was coming out of a store, he had a, uh, a Christmas wreath, and a, um, a reporter playfully asked him, you know, uh, Mr. Martin, is that a Christmas wreath or a holiday wreath? And he looked at the camera like Bambi staring uh, 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 <laughs> a Hummer with its high beams on uh, and came up with the answer, it's a $50 wreath. I mean, he couldn't even answer that question. And likewise, the nickname I see people using with Andrew Shear is Mr. Charisma. It's facetious, of course, <laughs> right? But, you know, once people are calling you Mr. Charisma in a sarcastic and sardonic way, that's not good. Yeah, he's a milkmaid, and I think we should try to make that one stick to him. Um, another, you know, another good uh, nickname, and I didn't even intend for it to turn into a nickname, was Climate Barbie. Um, and I did it really, I sort of said it offhand. We were hosting um, a, a Canadian premiere for Mark Morano's movie Climate Hustle, and we were in Edmonton, and we were sort of revealing the fact that I was going to go to the UN Climate Change Conference, and I said that I was going to go there to hold Climate Barbie to account, and everybody laughed, and then it just sort of stuck because it is so accurate, and the more she talks, the more she is Climate Barbie. Well, you know, and it's funny, um, a good segue into another story that's really um, uh, uh, going viral. It's certainly the talk of the town in Toronto. Uh, from little Barbie dolls to real-life giant Barbie dolls, what was in the news recently, <laughs> Sheila, if you can imagine? Next week, there was supposed to be a so-called brothel opening in the Young Shepherd area of uh, Toronto, North Toronto, that is. And basically what the difference is, folks, is that you wouldn't meet a fe- real live female prostitute, but you would have a, you would have a, a doll made out of 100% silicone. And um, I think I got the, the rate chart here, uh, $80 for a half hour, $120 for an hour if you want two, a duo, that's $240. And... Um, uh, people were just going crazy, but and and uh, what the way this story has developed. Uh, first of all, Sheila, um, 
you know, there's a funny quote by the local councillor, uh, John Fillion, who was saying that many parents were coming up to him and saying, uh, we're trying to explain this to our kids, uh, to which I had to say, explain it to me. Right? I mean, what kind of a man is going to a, um, a strip plaza, going into a room for half an hour, paying $80 and being with a... Um, a doll. And I, I just, um, you know, there's so many angles to take this, as, but I, I, I wonder, you know, Sheila, it comes down to this. Is this maybe a good thing for those men who are completely socially awkward? They, they can't form a relationship with a, with, a, with a real woman or another person? Or is there maybe a, a, a dark side to this that maybe these are people that you know, have deviant behavior, like they like to get physically violent, which of course would be illegal with a real woman, but with a doll, you can slap it around. What's your take on this? Well, first off, this is why the aliens won't visit us. Second <laughs> off, um, what do you mean? Could there maybe be a dark side to this? This is all dark, all dark. This is darkness. Um, the these you know like you say like maybe this is for people who don't have social skills well this is stopping them from developing marketable social skills to the opposite sex you know like if you're bad at talking to girls and you you don't have a lot of charisma maybe you just like to drink milk and uh talk about supply management um <laughs> you know um you're you're not learning anything like it, the only way you learn to be good at talking to girls is get out there and talk to them and you know if they turn you down because you're weird maybe you'll be a little less weird next time but this actually stops people from developing social skills and this is the natural progression from people who you know this is a society that sits we communicate uh to each other over our phones and over our computers and i'm saying this as i'm literally communicating to all of our viewers across the computer but you know like we don't have a lot of human interaction anymore or less than what we used to so we don't have those social skills so instead of developing them we take the easy way out and we go do gross things to a piece of plastic but, but it's you know, terrible you know sheila you know the question arises though um should this be illegal and i think right now with the laws of the land um this is not illegal in fact prostitution in canada is not illegal it's the act of solicitation as i understand it so canada's got a real goofy prostitution law to begin with it's like you're allowed to be a little bit pregnant by the sounds of it but i mean I, the, the reason why this um, doll brothel will not be opening next week in the Young Shepherd area is that the, uh, the, the authorities found a way in decades-old zoning bylaws to not allow it. So in other words, I don't think they're allowed to be in a residential retail area, but they could open up in um, an industrial area. Um, even so, uh, where would you stand on this, uh, you know, in, in terms of putting on your libertarian hat? Uh, if this is something people want to do, spend their money and spend some time in the darkness with a, a silicone doll, uh, so be it. Or do you think there's some rationale here for the uh, state to step in? No, I mean, if these dolls look like adults, then, yeah, I got to put on my libertarian hat and say it's sort of, sort of my, none of my business. It's not something I agree with. It's not something that I don't I, like. I don't want to even know a person 
who would participate in this. I don't, uh, and if I, I'll cut them right out of my life, like with a knife. But um, uh, yeah, I I don't think it's the government's business. And you and I were talking about this off camera. You said this is came from Japan, which explains a lot because, <laughs> and you know, like it, Japanese viewers don't write in because you guys know that you have a weirdness about sexuality um, and true. writing me angry, writing me angry letters is not going to change that. Um, yeah, this it uh, you know, what I was reading like an article in The Independent that says like young Japanese people are basically asexual. They're not into it at all. Like they don't have that like hormonally driven virility that western young people have they just it's dead it's nothing's happening and they sort of like it that way and and uh so i suppose this was an outlet for them in japan but uh i would hate the idea that this is going to come here and change how young men and young women interact with each other but you know which actually sorry that actually i'm going to interrupt you because i just had a thought and i'm going to forget it because you're going to talk about something science fictiony i know it um (laughs) but you know uh Maybe part of this stems from the fact that young men are sort of scared to interact with young women because of this ongoing cry about rape culture, that like any awkward male heterosexual interaction is harassment or, you know, abuse. And it's just not that way. You know, so maybe this is like protecting it. I never thought of that. There's no way a 120-pound um, doll made out of pure silicone is going to uh, have a Me Too moment because it's an inanimate object. But you said something very interesting uh, earlier, Sheila, when you began uh, your answer. As long as the doll looks like a adult uh, human being, mm-hmm. as opposed to, I assume, uh, a child. And but when you and, and I'm not trying to get too creepy here and. and it, it does creep me out, but you know, you could make the point that if it's an inanimate object, it's not uh, living, it's, it's not a, a human being, uh, does it matter at all what that thing looks like? Yes. Mm. Yes. Actually, I think there's some sort of level of necrophilia in all of this that I don't, <laughs> I, you know, it, like it's just laying there, you know smells better than a dead body but reacts the same way i just i think this is all just weird but we have a super chat oh fantastic this is a super chat i'm going to take a screenshot of this and send it to the boss um because we deserve kudos for this it says it's from pete henderson he's given us almost 10 bucks canadian i suppose and he says you two are good i will subscribe to the Rebel Premium. We got one, David. <laughs> you know, I, I, and uh, did you say Pete Henderson or Paul Henderson? Pete Henderson. Oh, okay, Don't then. be a nerd. Well, <laughs> as long as you're a Henderson. See, Hendersons are gold because, you know, it was, it was Paul Henderson that scored the, the winning goal at the Summit Series in 1972, as you know, Sheila, and Pete Henderson giving us these kudos. The Hendersons, top notch. Love them. And um, and by the way, uh, I'll tell you, I think this is uh, before we put to bed, uh, no pun intended, the uh, Aura Dolls story. I think the most disturbing thing was the official statement that came from the doll brothel, which is this. And I'll read it verbatim to you, Sheila. The dolls are thoroughly sanitized to meet your expectations. We take extreme measures when it comes to the safety of our clients. The use of condoms are highly recommended. 
<laughs> Anyways, I don't know where to go with that. I, I just wonder who's got the job of sanitizing the dolls after these visits. <laughs> David, I'm dry heaving. I'm dry heaving. You have this dog. I, I have that effect on so many women. You, you'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> right. But um, uh, that, uh, so anyways, we will, we will keep an eye on this story because um, uh, we'll no, see. No, we won't. We won't. <laughs> and, you can. Uh, we won't. <laughs> well, Mr. Producer number two is also uh, nodding his head negatively through the window. We are not going to, and Mr. <laughs> Producer number one by the looks of it. So I, I think it's a consensus. Folks, we will drop this story, even if they relocate in an industrial park uh, somewhere in Markham or Woodbridge, uh, we are not going to talk more about this um, Aura doll story because obviously it's creeping too many <laughs> reasonable-minded <laughs> people out. So there you go. Do you have some other chats that you'd like to read, Sheila? Um, let's see. Okay, people are... Uh, let's see... Well, yeah, people are concerned that we got off on a bit of a side road there. <laughs> oh, boy. David Rogers says introducing the new Sheila doll. Well, the Sheila doll would um, feed the chickens and yell at her kids in Costco. <laughs> you know what? You know, it's not as. I bet you we'd sell a lot of Sheila dolls. Um, you know, I, I did a commentary um, a month ago. No, not, guys, not that, not, not that kind of doll. I mean, a, like a, 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 like a, a, the toy doll, right? Like the Justin David. Trudeau doll I talked about. Not that kind of doll. You know, I'm saying, you know, Sheila. Uh, like a, a bobblehead? Where I nod disapprovingly at you every time you open your exactly. mouth. Exactly. Like, like the, a bobblehead. We have the Ezra bobblehead. We have from the Bradford <laughs> Exchange the Justin Trudeau um, 38 centimeter tall doll that uh, I did, a, which, which talks actually. It has a collection of his quotes. The lamest quotes you could ever imagine, you know. So that, that kind of doll. I don't, I don't want to give anyone the wrong impression. We are not going to make a 120-pound silicone doll in the, uh, in the form of Sheila Gunn-Reed ever. And I said it. <laughs> okay, carry on, Sheila. <laughs> Do I still have a job um, here? <laughs> no. And you don't have a friendship with me either. We're dying. <laughs> So, and so, Sheila, did you say you have another chat there? Ah, oh, sure. Let's get another chat. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, here's one to make up for things from Milo McDonald. Sheila, looking gorgeous. There you go. Does that put oh, me? Does thanks. that put me in your good books again, Sheila? Well, Amanda Joy's got a heck of an idea for me, um, and I'm crafty, so this is sort of right up my alley. I'm a crafter and a sewer. So it says, how about a voodoo doll of David so you can stick pins in him? <laughs> David, if your back is sore later, I got out the sewing machine. Well, you know what? Um, I, I guess I have to, what do I, do I have to um, cut off a lock of my hair and send it to you? You need something from the actual human to make a real voodoo doll. Is there any experts on voodoo dolls that could weigh in and, and uh, give Sheila some direction to make a voodoo doll out of me and see if it works? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by the way, folks, if you think I'm creepy, Sheila opened up to me in, on the Israel trip that oh, the rebel gosh. conducted last month. And I'll tell you, Here she you admitted go. to me she was hand knitting, and this is a great skill, hand knitting, um, was it toques, Sheila, for the, the brony yeah. community? Yeah, yeah, because the bronies will pay. <laughs> and the bronies, yeah. folks, in case that's a new term for you, these are predominantly adult males that are fans of a cartoon 
targeted at the three to six girl demographic called My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. And they actually have an annual convention every year in Baltimore. They had, I think, 12,000 people uh, earlier this month attend. Um, and uh, so uh, Sheila is part of that community, shall we say? I'm not, David! <laughs> and is profiting from it. <laughs> I profited from it, but I'm not currently profiting from it. Yes, I crochet. I crochet very well. Actually, I'm one of those traditional women who is really good at the domestic skills. Mm. And uh, I was approached by someone in the brony community. And they said, hey, can you make me this? And I can. So I did. And then I became the exclusive brony hat supplier to the greater Edmonton area which is an interesting story that I didn't want you to tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that the cat's out of the bag, uh, what are the bronies like, <laughs> Sheila? Uh, you know what? I couldn't pick one out of a crowd. Like, that's the weird thing. Huh. Uh, they seem uh, pretty normal. Um, they're just like bronies after dark. Are, are there they could be you. It could be you. <laughs> it's definitely not me. I would love to hear people, if there are any bronies watching, uh, to, um, you know, give us a few lines, tell us what the community is all about. You see, here's the thing, Sheila. Uh, to me, this is so bizarre, so disturbing that there are adult males that are into this little girl cartoon to the point that they're buying thousands of dollars worth of merchandise and going to annual conventions that... People say to me, Menzoid, uh, uh, you know, you, you talk a lot of, you know, you know what about the bronies. Have you ever actually watched My Little Pony? And Sheila, the answer is no. And I'll tell you why the answer is no. It's not that I'm too lazy to do research. It's just that I'm scared to death I might like it and become a brony too. So that's why I've never seen My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Yeah, but it's really not that far <laughs> off for you, David. Like, you like all these weird pop culture things. And I don't even, I'm not even going to say they're pop culture because they're really not from, like, this century. Like, every time I send you an email, it's always some weird uh, science fiction or comic book reference that no normal person will understand. You are... Um, you're a brony waiting for a place to happen. You just don't like purple, I don't think. No, it, it's it's just that, um, I, you know, I guess I see things with this other sense. Uh, I, I mean, Lady Menzoid bought a Mitsubishi, and I couldn't help but notice that the logo for Mitsubishi Motors uh, looks almost identical to the insignia of the Klingon Empire. So I bought her a little uh, keychain with the Klingon Empire uh, insignia on it, and um, I think that was a very uh, sweet thing for me to do. And I asked you to Google the Mitsubishi logo and the Klingon insignia, and I don't think you ever bothered <laughs> to do so, did you? <laughs> no, because I didn't have time to Google the uh, Klingon Empire symbol because I was too busy saying a, a rosary for your wife <laughs> because um, that woman is a saint. I love her. She's a saint. Um, she really took one for the team when she took you oh, off the market. No. <laughs> well, we'll have to pass that on. Now, Sheila, I see that it's the it's the two-minute oh. warning, as they would say in the NFL in the fourth quarter. So do you want yep. to throw a few? Uh, uh, oh, I think we got yes. a super chat if you want to uh, throw it out sure. there. Sure. It's from Chris IT86, and I think I know him from Twitter. He's a great guy. Um, big fan of um, at least me. I don't know about you, David. But he says, vote Faith Goldie for mayor. Hmm. Um, 
Faith, um, I wish her nothing but the best. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I have great affection for Faith, and I hope um, that uh, everything in her life becomes exactly what she wants it. Um, and by the way, what I, we got- I, I should yeah. mention, Sheila, that Faith was in the news, actually, uh, a day or two yeah. ago. Uh, she was canvassing in Toronto. And um, I think all the hardcore faith haters were really trying to make this a, a much bigger story than it actually was. Yeah. There were some members of the uh, Toronto police that posed uh, for pictures with faith. And, um, you know, people were screaming, oh, these cops should be reprimanded. They should be suspended. The fact of the matter is, is that um, people, you know, when you're out in public, uh, when you're running for office, and this applies to all p- politicians of all political s- uh, stripes, when you're in a crowd, you never know who it is that comes out of a crowd, stands beside you, and a picture is taken. So I, I just thought this was um, a really unnecessary smear job by, uh, you know, her hardcore haters. I'll say that. Well, you know what, David? I got to tell you, I think we redeemed ourselves, or not we, but you redeemed yourselves when you brought in the ringer here to save the show because Happy Infidel Fox says David and Sheila have great chemistry. And, um,. Oh, and Amanda way, Joy said, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I want to go thank ahead. him for that. In fact, that's inspired me in, in the spirit of bronyism to write my own screenplay <laughs> for an animated series. And it will be called this, My Little Sheila, Friendship is Magic. What do you think about that? Oh, my Lord. You know what? <laughs> Mr. That Producer just doll? yelled in my ear, time's up. <laughs> Cut. We're done. Okay. Well, <laughs> folks, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I, I, we, we talked about all kinds of things. Uh, the Kinder Morgan and supply management and the Conservative Party of Canada and the Aura Dolls and the Brony community. And uh, listen, it's the last day of August. Uh, uh, unofficially, summer ends on uh, Tuesday. Uh, so listen, I, I hope all of you go out and have a really fun, safe time on this Labor Day weekend. And uh, last word over to Sheila Gunn-Reed, who did a fantastic job as co-host today. What do you say, Sheila? I want to wish all the farmers out there a very happy, fruitful harvest. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think. Fantastic. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great weekend.